Warriors, this is the Epilepsy Spectrum, your short and sweet stop for all things epilepsy. I'm your host, Tiff the Titan, and thank you for joining this collaborative journey into overcoming epilepsy. If this is your first time here, then welcome to the Epilepsy Tribe. We connect here every week to learn from each other, embrace epilepsy in our lives, foster community and relationships, and promote advocacy, and highlight what's new with epilepsy. Hello, everyone. What a week it has been. Not only have we experienced the first pandemic in our lifetime, but here in the U.S., we are also in the midst of a toilet paper crisis. When I was young, we used to string toilet paper over the trees of our enemies. Now you get it on the black market and it's 50 bucks a pop. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Today, we will discuss the coronavirus and what it may mean for us with epilepsy. Let's start out with the basics first. I know we've all been glued to the media, trying to learn as much as possible along with the experts as they learn, but there's been a lot of conflicting and misleading information out there, so I assure you that I am only sharing information straight from the CDC, which is the Centers for Disease Control, and the World Health Organization, which is the most direct and reliable source we have in situations like this. There will be links in this podcast description below and on my social media pages that cite my sources if you would like to refer to those. I will also post an up-to-date GIS link that is tracking data on current cases and deaths related to COVID-19. All right, so first things first, what is COVID-19? It is a coronavirus. It's one of many RNA viruses that cause a range of illness and disease, whether it's a common cold or a severe respiratory condition. This virus in particular is zoonotic, which means it can travel between humans and animals, and it's transmitted primarily through contact with an infected person when they cough or sneeze or through droplets of saliva or through discharge from the nose. The virus could potentially infect 160 to 214 million people in the United States. That's the worst case scenario predicted by the CDC. And that's over the course of the epidemic. And as many as 200,000 to 1.7 million people could die as a result. Yes, these numbers sound broad, but we are still learning about this virus and how it acts. And the experts are working around the clock to inform us with updates on what they have learned. The virus affects the respiratory system. The most common symptoms of COVID-19 in order are fever, which is in almost 88% of all cases, dry cough, which is common among 67% of those infected, a thick mucus coughed up from the lungs showed up in 38% of all cases, and in more severe cases, shortness of breath, which was a symptom in about a third of patients. Less than 15% of those infected experienced muscle or joint pain, sore throat, headache, and chills. Less than 5% of those infected experienced nausea or vomiting, nasal congestion, and diarrhea. It has symptoms that seem like the flu among other common symptoms, so it may be difficult to decide if you may have it. People that are at higher risk are elderly, they have diabetes or heart or lung conditions. And here's what's happening. Schools are closed, some countries are on lockdown, large gatherings are banned, and businesses are struggling or getting shut down. 
economic impacts are vast, but there's a reason why everyone is practicing social distance right now. And what does that mean for people with epilepsy? Well, technically, if we aren't elderly, we don't have diabetes or cancer or compromised immune systems, we should be okay. However, there are a few things to consider. Um, the first thing is that epilepsy is a family of syndromes. So if your seizures are easily controlled or if you only have occasional seizures and no other health conditions, then the data available does suggest that it probably doesn't increase your risk of getting the coronavirus and it doesn't increase the severity of it. Depending on your type of epilepsy, you may be predisposed to certain vulnerabilities. So if you take meds that do affect your immune system, then you may have more severe symptoms. If you have lung problems or other health issues, or if you frequently inhale food or liquids into the lungs, um, like if you aspirate because of a condition that causes you to be less mobile, for example, um, then you may have an increased risk of pneumonia. And we all have a variety of triggers as well. So when we're sick, we may be at risk for more seizures, or if we aren't eating well during sickness. And fever, for example, it's a common symptom of the coronavirus. Many of us will have seizures with an increase in body temperature. So that's another thing to consider. The stress and anxiety of potential issues with this pandemic could also trigger seizures. So be sure to unplug and take time to tune out the news from time to time. And one interesting thing that I noticed today, Dr. Kenneth Tyler of the University of Colorado School of Medicine, he noted that earlier this year, a report from three coronavirus-designated hospitals in Wuhan, China, indicated that more than one-third of coronavirus patients had some type of neurologic symptom including altered consciousness, evidence of skeletal muscle damage, and acute cerebrovascular disease. And this report was posted online. It has not been peer-reviewed. Um, remember, all these experts are still learning as they go, so they're moving as quickly as they can. And Dr. Tyler said that it makes sense that the coronavirus would have neurologic manifestations because other coronaviruses that affect humans can invade the central nervous system. And he said that we still don't know whether the neurologic complications are reflective of direct viral injury or if it's actually due to the secondary or systemic effects of infection. Again, experts are still learning and we just don't have enough data yet. I know some of you in other countries are already affected dramatically and my heart goes out to you. But on the U.S. timeline to prepare further, calling ahead to the pharmacy and asking how soon you can get important medications is advisable. Currently, there are no drug shortages as a result of COVID-19, and the United States Food and Drug Administration is monitoring this closely. It is wise to have your supply so that you don't run out. If you have the option of getting mail order through your insurance company, perhaps it is a good time to request that to reduce your exposure in public. You should be able to get an emergency supply, although controlled substances are a bit trickier. In those cases, call your doctor and ask them to allow the pharmacy to fill your medicine earlier, if that's possible. As a low-risk person with epilepsy, I've decided to wait until it's due to be filled so that I don't overwhelm my doctor with additional tasks when I think that it will be okay to pick it up at the end of the month. As a healthcare provider, I feel the pressure and I carry sanitizer with me at all times and I wash my hands a million times a day anyway. So, so as a healthcare provider, I feel the pressure and carry sanitizer with me at all times and I wash my hands a million times a day anyway. So I don't mind to get out and get my controlled substance when it is scheduled to be filled. Our pharmacy has been absolutely overwhelmed. 
And for those of you that didn't know, I, I work in a pharmacy. But all healthcare providers are happy to help you maintain good health. And just please be patient with those workers because everyone else is trying to do the same thing that you are doing. And we are working hard to keep up and to get everyone what they need. Planning ahead will help relieve some anxiety and it's necessary in terms of medication. However, there's a difference in hoarding supplies like toilet paper versus getting what you actually need to last for a month. So stores are being cleaned out in a shopping frenzy and panic will only disrupt our community's ability to cope with this pandemic. Just try to stay calm and focus on what you can do. Stay home if you are sick, wash your hands and sanitize, especially after interacting with others. That's the best things that you can do. Don't touch your face with your hands until you have cleaned them. Limit social interaction and don't expose yourself to large groups of people. Face masks are excellent for sick people that are trying to prevent the spread of germs, but the general population doesn't really need to wear one. We may not be able to completely stop the coronavirus in its tracks, but we can each do our part in reducing transmission. We don't want to overwhelm our healthcare system and infrastructures that are set in place. And even if you aren't low risk or if you may not have it, just consider yourself a carrier. Do we really want to pass this on to our grandparents? or our sick friends and family, they may not have the same immunity that we do. And just be mindful and considerate of others. If you have any questions or if you want to stay updated, follow the guidelines as they are updated at cdc.gov or at the World Health Organization website. That is www.who.int. Thank you for listening and please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you may be listening. Be sure to follow me on social media at Epilepsy Podcast for Titan tips, support, and giveaways. And please share the podcast with others if you enjoy listening. I'll see you back here next week. And remember always, fall down seven times, stand up eight. Peace.